Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Got a text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r from Raider Richie in Arizona. What got to me was Rocky Sin holding dudes that didn't need to be held. Very uncharacteristic Renfro Teflon hands. Need to have a game where both offense and defense work together to beat the Titans to break DeMond's heart. Again, that's Raider Richie from Arizona, and they need to win against the Titans, not to break DeMond's heart, but to get a damn dub. <laughs> right? That's what's important. They need to get a damn dub because, man, you all of a sudden go 0 3, and all of a sudden the pitchforks, everything is out there. I mean, everyone's going to be coming for everyone's head. People going to yell, come calling, yelling, and screaming at me. Like I had something to do with it. Like I gave up a touchdown or two. It, it's, it's uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, you, you don't want to drop to 0 3. That's just something that you don't want to do. Um, you know, and again, the season's not over, but. Oh, man, it just doesn't look good. And you, Plus, you need to get a win, man. You need to get a win to get that confidence to your team. You know, know that all the work that they're putting in, they're doing it for the right reason. They're doing they're doing it with the the goal, the common goal of, hey, we're going to win a bunch of games. This is, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Here we go. You got to do that. Got another text. I think DC is like Austin Powers right now. He's looking for his mojo. He just seems off so far. I don't know if he still learned the new system, but he needs to get it back. I agree. Not necessarily that Derek Carr's lost his mojo, but I think that there's still a lot of learning going on with the, the players. I think they're still learning this scheme and this system, and I don't, I don't like to continue to beat down this, po- this point or you know, try to squeeze turnip from, or blood from a turnip, but this new system is why I thought that they should play in the preseason, why I thought you should see some reps in the preseason is because they needed to learn in game time. It's one thing to go up against the Patriots in joint practices and look pretty good. I get that. But to go when you're going up against the other team's number ones, you're going up against a team that also wants to win. You got edge rushers that are trying to take your head off. You got, you know, a running back that's trying to get hit. You know, and, and you know, DeMond brought this point up. Josh McDaniels had talked about when, when Josh Jacobs played in game number one, the Hall of Fame game, he wanted him to get calloused up a little bit. He wanted him to get a, you know, a couple hits because that's something that you can't simulate in practice for a running back. I think guys like Hunter Renfro. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller to a certain extent, probably should have got a little burn as well so they can get calloused up. You know, these hits that Hunter Renfro's taken, these are the first time he's getting hit so far, right? He's not, he hasn't really got hit in the, he didn't get hit in the preseason, didn't really get hit in training camp. So all of a sudden he's now starting to take hits. And these guys, you know, the, the, the defensive players around the league are so smart. They go for the ball. They, they're trying to, to take you out, but they're also going for the ball at the same time. Right, they're just they're trying to knock the ball out, and if you look at the fumbles that Hunter Renfro had on uh, on Sunday, both of them, the, the defender attacked the ball. I mean, the second one obviously was unfortunate that Hunter got, uh, you know, what looked like he was concussed, but I mean, the defender went for the ball too. They went for the big shot on the ball, and they got it. That's what these guys do. Remember, there was a time where it was only certain dudes in the league that did that. C. Wood was great at it. Peanut Tillman was great at great at it. Certain guys just went for the, the, the punch out. 
You know, I remember a rookie year of Charles Woodson when uh, they were playing the Chiefs, the Raiders were playing the Chiefs, and Tony Gonzalez was having himself a hell of a day, just made a really good catch, and he's running down the, the field. I think it was at the Coliseum, as a matter of fact, and all of a sudden, C. Wood out of nowhere comes and knocks that ball out after a big play. That's when that really got on my radar of, of guys going making those plays. Now every defender, every single one of them, sometimes almost to a fault. Sometimes the guys don't secure the tackle because they're going for the ball. But that's what everyone's doing. If you're trying to sack the quarterback, what are you doing? Trying to attack the ball. If you just gave up a catch, what are you trying to do? Rip the ball out. If you got Hunter Renfro going down the middle of the field, about to set, him, set the Raiders up for a game-winning field goal, what are you trying to do? Go for the ball. That's what they're doing. So maybe... Just maybe some of these guys should have been calloused up a little bit in the in the preseason. So that's not their first hit that they're taking. DeMond said that earlier to me, and I was like, you know, that's a hell of a point. Hell of a point. Got a text here from uh, Raider Chavez in a 916 at Sacramento, California. Raider Nation, you're panicking way too early. I understand the frustration, but it's been two weeks of football. Give this team time to gel. Don't give up now. The team needs the nation in Nashville, and especially when we get back home against the Broncos. It's Raider Chavez in 916. And you're right. It's, it's, it's only been a couple weeks. You don't want to panic. You know, they're going to gel at some point. The only problem that I see there is that they don't have time to gel at some point. Because their schedule, something we talked about a lot in the offseason, is not an easy schedule. It's not easy right now. There is a point coming out of the, the bye week where it's a little softer, and then it ends really strong as well. So it's, it's, it's a tough schedule. And in the AFC, in the AFC West in particular, there's no time to gel. You've got to figure it out on the fly, because if not, you'll get left behind. It's kind of like when you, when you have a new job, you're the new dude at work, and you don't really know what you're doing, but you fake it till you make it, right? You just kind of go with the flow. Oh, DeMond's going to lunch right now. That means it must be lunchtime. Or you know what I mean? Or, hey, uh, this is what this guy does in this situation. Let me go do the same thing. Sometimes you've just got to be able to keep up with everyone else until you can figure it out. Sometimes you got to do your best job of, of, of keeping up with everybody else, and then all of a sudden, boom, then it clicks. Then you're able to make some things happen. So... Where I do agree that they, you need to have patience. The season is not over, like you know Javier in Colorado said. But man, <laughs> you you sure can't you sure can't go into the bye week losing all these games in the AFC. You lose these games in the AFC, man, it's going to be a struggle for real. Mailman Raider said, "We also need a win for my health and well being." <laughs> I know that's right, man. I know that's right. There's a lot of folks that. Boy, you know, they. I don't want to hear the radio. I don't want to hear no podcast. I don't want to see TV. This is, I mean, this one is a, is a, is a gut wrencher, right? Don't, don't even want to think about it. And yeah, man, just losing, losing, make, making your whole day bad, right? Yeah, nobody wants to go through that. Got a text now from uh, Just Win Wendy on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Hey, Q, I was thinking about you yesterday. Sending love to you and your family. Good, lively show today. When Lincoln comes on, tell him I thought, uh, I thought it was so a, a propos. Eh, I guess this is a propos. I don't know. Appropriate, maybe. Jason was saying, wow, this is such a crazy fourth quarter. And Lincoln says, welcome to the Raiders, Jason. Oh, OK. There you go. I get it now. <laughs> wow. Such a crazy fourth quarter. And Lincoln say, welcome to the Raiders. That's funny. I have uh, faith. Like Billy Joel says, just win Wendy. So uh, thank you for that text. I was trying to get 
try to get to it and figure out exactly what it said. But no, you're, you're right about that. Uh, I didn't get to hear Lincoln say that, but that's that's funny. I, I'm, I'm hoping, as DeMond's trying to effort him right now, I'm hoping that we get Lincoln on so I can uh, I can pass that message on to him. I think he'll get a kick out of that. But yeah, that's, that's the truth of the matter, right? For anyone who's new to Raider Nation... Uh, get used to some some heart attack games. I remember my prediction for the the game was the Raiders to win by ten, you know, double digit points. And man, when they're sitting there at twenty nothing, I'm thinking, well, at least I was right. At least I knew they were going to win by double digits. And I still thought that Arizona was going to score. I didn't think they were going to get shut out. Thought they'd score, you know, seven, ten points, call it a day. You know, maybe even fourteen points, but the Raiders would put up thirty. You know, maybe score a little bit more. Man, never saw that game shaking out the way that it did. And Arizona people didn't see it shaking out that way either. I did a couple radio hits in, in Arizona on Saturday right after I left the barbershop, and everybody that had me on all to a T said, oh, yeah, the Raiders are going to win this game. There's no doubt. The Cardinals stink. I mean, that, that was all of them. They all believed that the Cardinals were going to lose that game. So that was a huge surprise for anyone in Arizona that was a Cardinal fan. I, I could imagine now that the conversation is different, and they're acting like they had all the faith in the world. But please believe they did not have all the faith in the world when, uh, when they thought that the Arizona Cardinals were going to come and get whooped by the Raiders. It did not shake out that way. 409 is the time. We're joined now on the phone lines by our good friend Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders radio broadcast team and also former Raider linebacker, or offensive lineman, not a linebacker. Hey, 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 hey. I could do that too. Anyways, what's up, kid? You, you could do, do it all, my man. I Lincoln, can do it all. That's right. I'm not mad at that. Uh, Jess Wynn Wendy had just texted in and she said that she got a kick out of the out of the broadcast when Jason said, I've never seen such a crazy fourth quarter, and you said, welcome to the Raiders, Jason. That's exactly right. It's so true. I mean, you look, you're a longtime fan. You know yep. how things happen. And there's nothing that's, that is, can be, you know, be ever so more unpredictable than watching a Raiders football game. The, the, the outcomes are never as, as we've seen. I, was, I remember telling Jason one instance where we were talking about Carlson, and we were talking about, you know, how short-footed he was. I said, yeah, so you mentioned it, and then it looks like a gimme field goal or extra point, he shanks. That happened last year. Right. <laughs> it sounds like it happened last year. So nothing is given, nothing is, is, is ever, you know, the same or normal when it comes to Raider football. Now, as far as the game on Sunday, have you ever in your career been involved in a game like that? Not that I can recall. Um, I, don't, I don't remember ever losing such a substantial lead. But I do remember telling Jason the very thing on, on the air when we were talking. I said, the, the difference that makes me feel more nervous about the game as it was going on was the fact that rather than having touchdowns, the Raiders had to settle on three field goals. If those field goals or any of those field goals were touchdowns, the game would have been out of reach. You see what I'm saying? Yep. But they just ran out of gas, and they, they could not put them away. And, you know, there's been instances where when I was younger, you had to develop the, the mindset of a killer instinct. When you, you, you have your foot on your opponent's neck, we, we said we're supposed to be pressing down, not letting up. And there are times where I think that just overall execution wasn't so much the play calling, but overall execution wasn't as favorable in the second half as it was in the first. What is the message or mentality when you're in the locker room? You go into the locker room, you're up 20-0, and you know Arizona's getting the ball, but you feel like the defense is playing really well. How do you keep that same intensity coming out in the second, second half? If I was the captain in that locker room, I would tell everybody on the offensive side, let's do our job. 
Let's get our, give ourselves our, our defense a break. You know, the defense was playing well enough, but in the second half, you saw the ineffectiveness of the offense and the inability to, to consistently put first downs out there and move the ball. And that's what did the defense in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had to feel for them at the end of the game. There was no way that they were so, you know, so worn out. You could tell in that last drive, especially to how, how, how the, this game had turned so much. The offense just couldn't pick up the pieces and do their job well enough. No, they really couldn't. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So how does a team flush that and move on and not, not allow that loss to beat them twice? One play at a time, one game at a time. You're going into Tennessee, just like the circumstances were for the Cardinals. You've got two hungry teams. Uh, Tennessee, was, I'm sure, didn't expect to drop a game to the Giants. I'm probably sure you're going to say you're not expecting to drop anybody, but they lost to the Giants and the Bills. So, uh, so Tennessee is probably not thinking that you know they they should be zero and two, just like the Raiders don't feel they should be zero and two. So, but you take it one play at a time, one game at a time, and you learn from your mistakes. When you have a team up, don't take your foot off the pedal. You go out there with the same type of intensity, same type of mentality, and forethought that you can defeat your man. You know, I was so disappointed in the second half that when Arizona knew the Raiders had to run the ball, they no longer won the line of scrimmage. That it to me, that's nothing more suggestive than a, a personal feeling. Because as an offensive lineman, you've got to put yourself on the line. You have to have the will to win. You have to have the will to want to say that I'm going to move you out of the way or you're not going to make the play. You can't play with your pads up high. You can't just go through the motions or think that you can play soft and you're not getting pushed to the backfield. When somebody drives you three, four yards to the backfield, that disrupts a run. How many times do we see Josh Jacobs having to make cuts in the holes? Mm-hmm. See, those are, those are misassignments. Those are miscues that can't happen if you want to be a winning team. How long do you think it's going to take for the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, whatever the case may be, to figure out the dynamic of how often to feed Devontae Adams? We saw two catches for 12 yards on Sunday after a monster performance he had the week before with the Chargers. Well, because they made a conscious effort to take him out of the game. But that's why you have weapons, plural, and not just weapon. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yep. We still see some timing issues. We still saw some Aaron throws out of, out of Derek. There, there's going to be times where your star receiver or your star player is going to be taken out of the game. But you have other stars that you can rely on, whether it's the running game, whether it's Darren Waller. you got to get plays with Darren Waller. I mean, whomever it was. Man. Heck, Holland's had a big game. So mm-hmm. no one really could foretold, you know, saw or expected that. Hunter Renfro, I mean, even though the fumbles aside last, in, the, in the last quarter were detrimental, no doubt. But, you know, you have other weapons. Don't just rely on number 17. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you. We had a texter earlier who mentioned the identity of this team, and I looked at the percentages. The Raiders are passing on 70% of their offensive plays. Do you think that this uh, that the identity of this team needs to be not so much 50-50, but the running game needs to be more involved? The identity has not been established in two games. The identity from preseason was different than what you're seeing in a regular season. The identity has yet to be established. It's not been established yet. And it's not going to be established for probably another two to four weeks. The reason why is because most of the starters didn't play in preseason. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as a play caller, Josh McDaniels is smart enough. He's not going to show his hand during a preseason when it doesn't count. He's got some plays. He's got some cards up his sleeve that he's going to show as we work or we progress. And they're going to you know, you know, manifest themselves. But at the same point, the, the identity of this team has not been established after two games. There's no way. So is he still trying to learn how to, to win, his, uh, win games and finish them off strong as well as the head coach, not just the offensive coordinator? I would think not because he has so much experience, but I don't know. Because the, the, the thing is, is that unlo- un, unless you're a player on that sideline or hearing a place come in, you don't know how much control Derek Carr has. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, a lot of the banter that you heard over the radio that you hear over the mic, he's just calling out a mic. He's not necessarily changing the play. He's making up a name like he goes along, and he's been doing that for the last couple of years. So when he says, like, Santa Monica 25, it's not the special. 25 is the mic. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there, there's, so there's a great dynamic. But Derek in the past did have a greater, um, greater, uh, a lot more control over the, the checks and the audible system at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if he has that now. So it comes a matter of play calling. More importantly, it also comes a matter of Josh McDaniels with his starting unit, his unit out there, seeing what they can do under crunch time. Are they going to get pushed back? Do we can we afford to play, call a three step play action when the, the 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 nose guard is playing in the center in the quarterback's lap? No, you see what I'm saying. These yeah. are things that you learn, and this is a trial by fire. And this is why I've always said everybody needs preseason because this is the only way that you get those type of timing situations, those type of plays down. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Speaking of Derek Carr, uh, we had someone hit us up and say that they felt like he was throwing the ball off his back foot because he was nervous about the pass rush. Are you seeing that as well? <laughs> I like it when people who claim they are, they're quarterbacks are going to tell you how a quarterback should throw the ball. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he throws it off his back foot or not in many instances because he has such a strong arm. Sure, there's something to be said you know, about the accuracy and the overall control of the ball, but whether you're throwing it off your back foot or your forefoot or you're throwing it off two feet, it doesn't matter as long as you get the ball downfield. There are times where it comes to timing routes mm-hmm. where the ball sailed on them a couple times, and there, you know, or it was like in the Charger game, there were a few balls that were behind a would-be receiver. Those are all timing issues. Those are things that you get from full speed because, Q, you know this, and you watch a lot of football, every receiver runs a deep out route differently. Mm-hmm. Every receiver runs a slant route differently. No one ever runs. There's no prototype of running these routes. They put them in. They tell you where to go and how to do them, but everyone does it differently. So the timing is different, and that timing only comes around during full speed. You try to generate it in practice. You try to generate it in scrimmages. It doesn't mean it. It has to be full speed, or the quarterback has to be more. And there's quarterbacks out there that are capable of throwing their receivers open, but a quarterback has got to be accurate. When Derek Carr's accuracy is on point, He's one of the most devastating quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. You know, uh, one of the things that drove me crazy is I thought that the Raiders had won the game about four or five times, but somehow a penalty gets called. Are you surprised that they had ten penalties called against them on Sunday? Yeah, because that's a lack of comp- that's a lack of you know concentration. Those types of penalties that were called, we went the pretty much the entire preseason, and they were I think you had mentioned they were one of the least penalized mm-hmm. teams in in in, uh, in the league. And again, it's preseason, but you would expect those types of mishaps with backups and guys trying to make the team, you know, guys trying to make a spot rather than being the being a guy that uh, that's on the team where it's been there before. Mac Crosby, he's been showing why they gave him a contract extension uh, in the offseason. But uh, his counterpart, Chandler Jones, has gotten off to a slow start. What, what are your thoughts on what's going on with Chandler? He ain't showed up yet. I mean, look, you, you, the reason why you go out and get stars is you want to have stars on your football team. He hasn't shown up yet. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he, he hasn't. <laughs> there's nothing to it. I mean, there's nothing more to it. I mean, you, you, I mean, we talked about it. We ran it. We raved. Oh, yeah, Chandler Jones, most sacks turned in the NFL, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Where is it? Right. No, that's what I've been wondering as well. You know, I mean, I said it yesterday. I feel like he's on the back of a milk carton. But, I mean, he's a pro's pro. He's been there, done that. Are you concerned about, about him showing up? Not necessarily concerned. And here's the reason why. You know, I can, we can sit here and go back and forth with banter. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that if a defensive end or outside linebacker or defensive player goes out there and makes, say, a defensive end makes three sacks in a game, he's held as a hero, right? Three sacks out of what, 75 plays? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's held as a hero. So if if a if a guy intercepts two balls, he's held as a hero. Out of how many plays? How many pass plays? 
that's the way the defensive mindset is kind of skewed. It is what it is. I don't doubt that he'll wake up and he'll come of age, maybe or come of uh, come into his own. Maybe it's one of those times where you know everybody's focusing on Max Crosby. He beats a couple one on ones, has a sack or a big fumble. That's a game changer. Then we'll be talking differently about him the week following. On the offensive line, Lincoln, we saw that at Euro position at right tackle that they still mixed up Illuminor and Mumford. What do you still think about the Raiders on the offensive line still trying out guys that they haven't found that solidified five? Well, the poor report that we had up top was that Illuminor had a hip injury or mm-hmm. something, a lower leg injury um, that he was trying to fight through. Um, I saw him trying to work it out on the bike and then try to go back out there on the football field. And I told Jason at the time, I don't think he's going to finish the game. And then they went out for a month for, for the rest of the game after that. Look, you've got to find you, – you don't have a stable player at that position. We know that. Okay, There are weaknesses that Mumford has to learn through the National Football League. The problem is, and, the, and this is where you put yourself in jeopardy, you don't want to get your quarterback hurt or you want to call a turnover, and, and that's, that's ultimately a problem. But they've got to get playing experience. So, you know, you've got to keep experimenting until you get it right. Like I said, within the confines of this offense, there is an ability for Derek to get rid of the ball quicker. There is an ability for them to have max protection. But if they keep two extra people in to protect the, the outside ends, then they've got to have those three eligible receivers win their routes. And there's been a number of instances in, through these two games where teams have doubled up those three eligible receivers and not given Derek anywhere where to go. So you've got to be more creative, not only in play calling, but more important, you've got to be better in execution. Lincoln, we'll talk about Tennessee on Thursday. We'll talk, okay. give a little bit of a preview of that game. But right now with the Raiders sitting there at 0-2, obviously the Titans are at 0-2 as well. In the AFC, and the AFC West in particular, is loaded. How concerned are you by the start with you know the expectations that the Raiders have this year? Not, 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 not concerned. Okay. I mean, look, you have to have realistic expectations. When somebody talks about the possibility of the Raiders winning the division, that's not necessarily a realistic expectation to me because, one, you haven't got over the hump that is Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So until you get over that hump, how can you deny that you can – or how can you say that you can win the division? I'm not saying they can't do it this year, but they have yet to do it to this year. So, you know, the, the thing is you have to take that in consideration. I always thought that they were going back and forth with the Chargers and the Broncos. So that means there's kind of splitting those games. So that means you have to – Somebody has to take the lead and beat Kansas City. Because if Kansas City splits with everybody, then you go to all the other tiebreakers that are involved. And look, for what it's worth, Kansas City already beat the Cardinals, so if it came down to tiebreaker between us and them, they would have that tiebreaker. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, there's a lot of other things that go into it. So, But I was never one of those ones that would say, oh, I think the Raiders are going to win the division. I think the Raiders can be good. I think the Raiders can be competitive, and they will be competitive. And if you look at the way the defense has played through the first two games, the last, you know, last series aside, if you will, I thought they played strong enough for the Raiders to win. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect that, especially with the injuries. You were without two main starters last week, and you still, for the most part, you know, pitched a pretty good game until you got in the fourth quarter and just got worn out. So I'm more surprised the way the defense is playing and, and, and not necessarily surprised the way the offense is because I think they're still trying to figure each other out. Makes a lot of sense. It really does. And uh, like I said, on Thursday, we'll talk about the Tennessee Titans and kind of what the approach should be for the Raiders as they travel to Tennessee for that early game. But Lincoln, thanks so much, man. Great nuggets and great knowledge that you dropped. We appreciate you each and every week. Always a pleasure, brother.
talk to you guys later. All right, there he goes. Lincoln Kennedy, we'll talk to him on Thursday. We'll get a deep dive when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, but I thought that was a great way to kind of recap what we've been talking about and shed a little bit of light. And again, we can provide all the insight that we want to provide. We can give you all the ideas that we uh, feel like we need to give you. But when a guy that's been there, done that in the locker room can tell you what should be going on, what the mentality should be, if he's a captain, what he'd be saying, I think that goes a long, long way and it carries a lot of weight. That's why I really appreciate having guys like we had Bryce Butler on yesterday, having Lincoln Kennedy on twice a week. You can't beat that. I mean, you really can't. There's, it's unbeatable. And then for the fans, where you ask a question about the identity, hey, we're going to ask Lincoln, and he says, you know, validating that point. He doesn't think that the team has an identity either. Right, exactly. Great stuff from Lincoln. We definitely appreciate him. 424 is the time. We'll get back to some more calls and texts in a little bit at 702-365-9200. But when we come back, Coach Chris Morelli, Boulder City High School, do you know that they won their game? They won their game last week. He went on to become Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week because his team came up with an 8-6 to victory over Virgin Valley. 8-6. to six. And let me tell you this, DeMond, to take it a step further. Eight plays, and this should really resonate with Raider Nation, eight plays inside of their five-yard line. Their defense had to stand up for eight plays inside of their five-yard line not to give up some points to lose that game. They did that. Boulder City did that to pick up the dub. And you know who they're playing next week? Oh, I already know who they play. Oh, this so week. you already know. I already know who You've they play this week. You already Yeah, I didn't hit the okay, research. Okay, okay, okay. So do we have to say say anything else? Well, I mean, you know what? what? did they did lose seven to six. So I mean, if it's going to be one of those games and it's taking place in Pahrump this Friday night. Danny's really challenging me to get out there. Ah, I see. Well, I'll say this: Boulder City is three and zero on the road. Their only loss of the season came at home. So I'm just saying, they're Road Raiders. But you'll hear from Coach Chris Morelli from Boulder City High School. you hear that conversation next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's weekly interview with the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And joining us now on the phone lines is the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. That's Coach Chris Morelli from Boulder City, the Eagles. And Coach, congratulations on a hard-fought victory, 8-6 to six over Virgin Valley Week 5. Eight plays from inside the five-yard line. Your defense had to hold up to keep uh, to keep Virgin Valley out of the end zone. How exciting and nerve-wracking is that at the same time? Well, nerve-wracking uh, was it, uh, <laughs> but it was really exciting. It was really, really great to see those 11 guys just flying to the ball. Um, it's something that we've been waiting for them to do. Uh, and it, I mean, they did it at the right time. Uh, and overall, the entire team. Um, did a fantastic job. You know, I, I hate just singling out one guy or anything, but as a team, this was a hard-fought, hard-fought game, and uh, they played really well. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not every day you see an 8-6 to six victory in football, high school football, any kind of level of football, but to have that kind of a defensive effort, especially at the end, to hold on to a victory, that's got to even feel a little bit more special in the locker room following the game. And it was um, just to just to be put in that position. You know, uh, we we bent a couple times, but the you know the thing is, is we didn't break. Right. Um, and we just we just kept getting after him. And it's and the toughest part was uh, field position. The entire night, the, the entire first half was basically field position. We were stuck inside of our own ten. We were coming out and starting drives inside our own ten. I think five five or six drives. So uh, it was just grinding the ball out of there and just trying to get get to to midfield so we can open stuff up. How much of a teaching moment, learning moment, you know, coaching, hey, this is what we need to do better, this is why we are in this position, how much can you take away from that game And as, as, as you get ready to start league play? 
Uh, you know, there's a lot, and we and we've been preaching this. Uh, you know, to establish that run game. Uh, that's something that we trying to explain to them, and and they're they're starting to understand this. Um, and it's something that they've, uh, you know, we ran the ball, I think it was 43 times. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's something that they, they're, they're understanding and they're understanding the entire concept of the game of football. Talking right now with Coach Chris Morelli from the Boulder City Eagles. A uh, big victory over Virgin Valley, 8-6 to six in Week 5. And now, Coach, uh, the non-league time is over. Basically, the preseason is over. It's time to league for league play now. How do you feel your team is set up? Do you feel like you're ready to start league action? Uh, after after the two games against Moapa and Virgin, um, you know, two of the top teams in our league, and they've been two of the top teams in the in the state uh, for a long time. Those those hard fought games, I think, it's prepared us to understand what's in front, what needs to be done. Right. Um, and you know, it was. I had a couple of players tell me yesterday morning that uh, the practices that we had last week leading up to that game, they want to mirror that and take it to the next level. And it's great to hear kids want to want to you know take that practice, the next practice to the next level. So uh, it's been. These four games have been a good start for us to get into the league. Well, and I'm sure that they're feeling a little bit better now that the weather's actually starting to change a little bit, get closer to football weather instead of, you know, blazing hot uh, summer weather that we were having for the longest. Yeah, it's it was bad. Uh, and we actually, that was a conversation we had uh, as a coaching staff with our team, you know, trying to explain to them. We missed the playoffs last year for the first time in a while. Um, and we explained to them how nice it is to go out there in that postseason playoff weather mm-hmm. and have to put on the long sleeves and have the sun go down early. That's something that we're, we're striving for right now. And that's our goal is just to, you know, our goal is to make the playoffs and then we'll just take everything from there. Right. And we're not, we're not quite there yet, but I mean, at least we see it trending in the right direction. It's not quite as hot as it was. Just, <laughs> that is true. It's not, it was, it's, this is, I've been here a long time and this was a, this was a brutal start. Right. I t- have no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with coach Chris Morelli here on Radio Nation Radio. Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And again, you're the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week Award. And I know, and every coach I talk to always says, it's not about me, it's about the team, it's about the program. But how cool is that to, to get that award and, and be you know named the, the recipient of that award this week? It, it, it's, it's really neat. Um, and it's just, it's nice that, you know, the Raiders organization, what they do for everything uh, for high school football, that, you know, the, the small schools are being represented. We only have roughly about 650 or 680 kids in our school. Um, and it's 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 really neat that they, they go out of their way to go ahead and uh, and make sure that every school is represented in, in Southern Nevada. How, how special is that for the players as well, knowing that they have a, a pro team and anyone out there playing on a Friday night is watching NFL action. So to have a pro team playing in their backyard and also supporting the, the programs in their community, how important is that for the players too? It's really important. Uh, you know, we talk about we talk about the Raiders all the time. We had a conversation yesterday about what happened on Sunday. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it was really it was really tough to talk about that that, that loss. But uh, it's really important that that they're able to have that in that backyard and they can actually see it. They can go to the games and see how that game is played at such a high level. And there's not a lot of kids that have that opportunity to be able to see um, you know a professional game like that. So to have this in our backyard and have the support that they give, it's it, it means the world to us. Coach, what does it mean to you to be a high school football coach? I, I tell people all the time it's not about X's and O's and wins and losses. Of course that's important, but it's you know the best friend, it's the mentor, it's the father figure at times. It's a lot that goes into being a high school football coach that a lot of people might not understand. So for you, what does that actually mean? Well, I, I became a coach and wanted to become a coach um, 20 plus years ago. It was because of my high school coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, graduated from basic high school, uh, Rich Whitehead, 
uh, Cliff Frazier, all those guys over there. I, I wanted to become a coach because of what they what they taught me. Um, you know, between them and my parents, they helped me become the man I am today. Uh, they had a big, big factor in uh, in molding me. So that's something that I wanted to do, and and something I really enjoy doing. I tell everybody this is the greatest job in the world. Uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade this for anything. How does it feel when you have players from former teams that you've coached? They come back and maybe they're playing on the next level, or maybe they just have a family and a really good job, and they just want to come back and you know be a part of the program as far as you know mentoring, helping mentor over some of the 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 kids that are playing uh, today. Uh, and it's funny, I actually have two player two former players that are on our staff right now. Um, and it's really great to for them to see the other side of it as we were we were developing them as football players. And one of them had got, gotten on to the, to the next level. As he comes back, he goes, now nah, I get it. I totally get it now. <laughs> and it's great to see those guys giving back already at such a young age. Yeah. Um, and, and being able to, to do that and share the experiences they had just just recently in college. I always laugh whenever I hear someone say like, hey, I get it now because I think back to myself and all the times that, you know, my mom and dad told me <laughs> something and I, I just didn't get it. Then, you know, you get older and you're like, oh, that's what you meant. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's you know, hilarious. Not, everyth- not everything we do is right, but there's a lot of it that is. Right. No doubt about it. Again, Coach Chris Morelli is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. So this week, Coach, um, you know, league play starts. You got Perump. What kind of challenges do the Trojans present for you? Uh, a, a big uh, offensive and defensive front. So uh, you know this is it's going to be another game. I think I think similar to what we had uh, this past week. Um, so it's and traveling, of course, the yeah. travel it, it, it's it's tough on it's tough on every team. Um, but you know we're going to just keep doing what we do. We play, play some blue collar football and just uh, just grind it out and uh, you know let our defense run around like wild animals, like we're trying to get them to do. When you have a team that you're playing against that has that big defensive front, uh, how much pride does your offensive line take in being able to, you know, dominate and, and, and help? Because you want to run the ball, uh, and to do that, you've got to have that offensive line go up there and, and really play strong ball. Yeah, and, and, and one thing is, is uh, th- these guys understand what four yards is yeah. uh, per carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that they pride themselves on. We can If we can get the four-plus four yards per carry, we're doing just fine. Uh, and that's something... Those guys in the trenches understand, and my entire offensive line, they play both sides of the ball. They don't come off the field. Nice. We're playing a little Ironman football right now. So they pride themselves on both sides of that ball, and it's, it's really, really great to, to see that. And it sounds like they pride themselves on their conditioning, you know, to be able to do that. I mean, you you, you got to be in, in really good shape, and that that is actually off-season work, right? That's before even you guys get into organized stuff. That's taking care of yourself pretty much all year long. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, a lot of our guys are two and three sport athletes. Um, nice. So we don't actually get them until uh, roughly June 1st because I'm coaching baseball also. Nice. And a lot of those, a lot of, I've got three offensive linemen that, um, or two offensive linemen that play baseball. Uh, so well, actually three of them, I, excuse me, three of them <laughs> play baseball with me. So I can't, we can't do anything until June 1 when it comes to uh, football. So we spent the entire summer, I, we went four or five days a week, uh, hit a couple camps. Uh, took them up to Idaho for a full contact camp. Uh, and so this is, we've been conditioning the entire summer. So I think, I think we're in a good spot on that side of it. 
Yeah, sounds like it. And I, I love it. I love it when, when athletes play multiple sports. I think that's what they should do. You know, it's a, it's a good thing for them. And I know sometimes folks want to focus in just on one sport. That's their specialty. But there's nothing wrong with playing multiple sports. I think you got a good thing going there uh, at Boulder City. Well, Coach, uh, can get, congratulations again on being the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week recipient that now puts you in the running to be the Coach of the Year uh, recipient. And that'll be some big things for the, the program as well. But thanks for your time. Congratulations on the big, big victory. And Good luck this week versus Perump. Great. Thank you very much. And again, I want to thank you guys and the Raiders organization. Coach Chris Morelli right there, Boulder City High School, talking all things, their victory over uh, 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 um, Valley, um, Virgin Valley, excuse me. And and, uh, man, eight to six. (laughs) Again, I still I still kind of get stuck on that eight to six and all those opportunities to score inside the five and they couldn't get it done. That's, I mean, you just got to give that that defense a ton of credit for being able to hold them out of the end zone. As all of Raider Nation knows, uh, yeah, we'd love to send seen one extra stop, right? One more stop from the Raiders defense, and uh, we'd be talking about a victory today. 4.40 is the time. Let's go ahead and hook something up real quick. How about the Ultimate Raiders prize pack? We're going to get you in to win. You want to go see the Raiders' next home game? That's against the Denver Broncos on October 2nd. We got two tickets to the Raiders game, two field club passes, and an autographed Raider jersey that we're going to get you in to win. How are we going to do that? Well, if you're calling number nine right now at 702-365-9200, you're going to get a $35 gift card to the Raider image, and that's going to get you in to win the Ultimate Raiders Hookup Prize Pack. Hit us right now, 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Had a loaded show today. Jason Reed from ESPN started us off around 210. Amber Thea Harris from SiriusXM NFL Radio joined us at 2.30. John McClain, GallerySports.com and Sports Radio 610 at 3. Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network about 4, 415. And you just heard from Coach Chris Morelli from Boulder City High School, recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. Uh, that was at 4.30. So action-packed show. Uh, definitely uh, enjoyed all the calls that we got as well at 702-365-9200. Just hooked up another Ultimate Raiders hookup prize pack. Got you in to win with a $35 gift card to the Raider Image. So you can go there and get your next jersey or you know, get some, some swag, whatever you want. And that multi- ultim- ultimately gets you in to win the prize pack, which is the most important thing. So uh, congratulations. Matter of fact, uh, who was it? Was it Mike, did you say, that got hooked up? Yes, it is. All right, Mike, congratulations. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate you. We'll be hooking up more of that. Matter of fact, with the morning tailgate starting at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, Clay, Heidi, and Vinny will wake you up and uh, get you going with all your Raider fix. Of course, JT the Brick will follow you 12 to 2, and we'll close things out 2 to 5 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We also heard from Amik Robertson and Nate Hobbs in the Raiders locker room following the game on Sunday. So a lot that we've gotten to on today's show, but we still have a few minutes as we'll close out strong. Got a text uh, on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. When they traded in Gakway and picked up Jones, I thought it was because they'd be playing 3-4 or multiple sets, but they've been running mostly 4-3, and I don't think Jones' best position is a 4-3 DN. He's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. If they were going to just run the 4-3, they should have kept in Gakway. Gakway wasn't, and that, thank you for the text, and Gakway wasn't their guy. Uh, and they felt like Jones was going to be a better fit for what they want to do. And I do believe that you're going to see uh, more multiple sets out there that they run. And, and you've seen some some sets. You saw some a little bit of the 3-4 ran out there uh, throughout the course of the game. But, uh, yeah, they've been, as Patrick Graham said, they were going to be multiple. And that's exactly what they've been. They've been multiple. They've done different things. But Chandler Jones was their guy. And when a new regime comes in, they want their guys. 
You know, they want to bring in their dudes. They don't always necessarily just say, hey, that's the guys that I want to rock with, but they want to bring in their dudes. And so they wanted Chandler Jones. I think Chandler Jones is going to find a way to figure things out. But as Lincoln Kennedy said earlier in the hour, you haven't seen it yet, you know, and it would have been nice to see uh, someone across from Max Crosby also getting some pressure and helping uh, bottle up Kyler Murray and get him to the ground. Max Crosby was busting his tail. I can only imagine how tired he was at the end of the game because, man, that dude was everywhere and given all the effort and he's getting drilled. He's getting taken double teams. He's all that stuff and got to the quarterback. What, three times? I want to say he sacked Murray three times and two of them got called back because of penalties. That's again, that's it. That's another man. It's been two weeks in a row that the area of, of real concern for me is the attention to detail. What really disappoints me the most about the loss, the loss is, are the, the attention to detail because that's something that they harped on and harped on and harped on all offseason, all training camp was the attention to detail, not beating yourself. When you have 10 penalties, that's the absolute definition of beating yourself. On that two point conversion, Remember, Kyler Murray throws the ball out of the end zone. The game's over until it's not. Why? Because of a penalty, a holding penalty that was unnecessary. Penalties, penalties, penalties cause you to lose games. You know, we talked earlier to Amber Thea Harris, and she said, you know, Josh Jacobs runs the ball for five more seconds or gets one or two more carries in five more seconds, click off the, the, the clock, the game's over. Well, if you don't have as many penalties as you have and you don't give the, the Cardinals another chance, you know, another opportunity to score, you win the game. Those things are driving me crazy because I, that was something I was most excited about with this new regime. And I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. It's only two games in. There's still obviously 15 more games to go. But man, if you're going to do something to correct what's going on right now, stop the damn penalties. And I know last week it was only three penalties for 11 yards, but they were still untimely ones, right? I think Thayer Munford had a, a, a very untimely one, you know, and, and some of the ones that happened on Sunday, illegal formation. That can't happen. That's on you 100%. And a lot of those penalties, they, they wiped out big plays. Yeah. Even the one on Bilal Nichols, what was it, the face mask on Kyler right, Murray? Right, Where it's just always something where yep. the penalty, you know, obviously is going to give them more yardage, but it just extended the drive. It wiped yep. away the big plays that would have put the game out of reach. Right, exactly. You've got, got to stop that. They've got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. And again, that was something that they really harped on all offseason, all training camp. And that was what really got me more fired up was the fact that I think I said it multiple times. The one thing I can guarantee is this team won't be the most penalized team in the league this year. I said that. Those were my words. Not Josh McDaniel's words, not Patrick Graham's words. Those were my words. And I still don't think they're going to be the most penalized team. But man, getting 10 penalties on the game and ultimately losing, that's, that's part of that recipe of losing. And so that just can't happen. Three penalties week one, fine. Again, the timing on a couple of those were bad. But this past week, man, getting to every single time there was a big play made, I looked around for the flag. That was going back to what I'm used to doing. And that's what I thought I wasn't going to do this upcoming year. I really didn't. And I saw multiple times where Max Crosby made a play, and then all of a sudden there's a flag on the, on the field, including that Bilal Nichols play that you're talking about. And, you know, he puts his hands on his helmet like, you got to be kidding me. Not another one. Max Crosby is busting his ass. Just to be blunt about it. He is busting his ass out there. And he needs a little bit of help. He needs some interior help. He needs some outside pressure help. And stop penalizing yourself. Stop having stupid penalties. Like we had the texture. Rock got called for a couple holdings. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. You just have to have confidence in what you're supposed to do. Have confidence in your technique. What does Lester Hayes say? You got to know your technique. 
Have confidence in your technique and what you're seeing and what you're doing out there. You know, Amik Robertson comes up with a big interception, but Nate Hobbs had one, but he got called for holding. You know what I mean? Just dumb penalties. Illegal formations. Those, those kind of, come on. What was the one on with Zamir White? Not him exactly, but he had the big run. Was yeah. that a first down? Yeah, I think, was that Zamir or was that Amir Abdullah? It was one of the two. It was one of the running yeah. backs, excuse me, yeah. that wasn't Josh Jacobs. Right, I it wasn't that. Josh Jacobs, but it, got, it was like a 22-yard play, and he got called back. Yeah. It's, it's man, it's unbelievable. Those kind of things you can't do. And so then, let's fast forward to some of the play calling that we've questioned in the second half. Well, now it's first and 20. Or it's first and 15. One of the plays that they or one of the times drives that they had to settle for a field goal instead of getting a touchdown, it was what was it? Is it Thayer Mumford? I think it was Thayer Mumford had a holding penalty. So 10 yards. So once they come back, no, it wasn't. It was Dylan Parham. Sorry, I put I put dirt on on uh, Thayer Mumford's name. It was Dylan Parham got called for a holding penalty. And that ultimately ended up costing them a chance at seven. They ended up having to settle for three. If you get seven out of that drive instead of three, as Fabian very well knows. <laughs> The game's over. Every time we talk about settling for three, that's all I'm going to think of is Fabian. Like, Fabian may never want me to say his name ever again, but anytime they end up settling for three instead of getting a touchdown, I automatically think of Fabian. When I see that ball go through the uprights off Daniel Carlson's leg, all I think of is Fabian. Somewhere Fabian. I don't know if it's in the stadium, if it's at his house, wherever, Fabian's shaking his head. Like, damn, 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 right? Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Who we got on the phone line, my man? Tim in Texas. Tim, Lone Star State. What's up, Tim? Hello. How y'all doing? Ah, we're blessed. I just, I just wanted to chime in on the penalties real quick. I noticed that in the first game, in the first game when we played against the Chargers, that we only had three penalties. Mm-hmm. But the three penalties that we got messed us up big time. Mm-hmm. Like the one at the goal line on on Hobbs. Well, there, there shouldn't have been a flag because he right. didn't even do nothing to him. Right. And then I think we got a holding penalty, uh, and we had to end up settling for a field goal. And then one of the other penalties that we got was uh, was uh, like a pass interference or a legal touching downfield or something like that that messed us up. Mm-hmm. But like in this, this last game, I know we did have a lot of – the only thing that was frustrating me at the beginning was the fact that we were starting like first and 15, first and 20 – because he was getting holding penalties and false starts and, mm-hmm. and illegal formations and all that kind of stuff. But the penalties that was on the defense, especially like the holding penalty in the end zone that they called, that was not – he, all he did was touch him on his shoulder. But, like, if you look at the very next play, the, the, the play where um, 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 Abram almost, like, hit the ball or almost intercepted it or whatever. yep. yep. He was actually, that time, he was actually holding it. Right. And they didn't even call it. Right. I know what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> but that's all I was going to say. Hey, great call, my man. Great call. And, and you're right. And that was uh, that was rock in the end zone that, that barely touched him. But, you know, in that moment, you don't even have to touch him at all. You know what I mean? And, and I agree. It, it, they're very tic-tac calls, but they, they were unnecessary. Right? He didn't have to do that at all. All he had to do was trust himself and just run with them. Run with them and just be in that area. You know, Abram almost came up with a big play. If he had picked that ball off of the end zone, he's 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 won. He's going 100 yards to the house and putting another uh, six points up on the board, and then Carlson's tagging on the extra point. Uh, but he didn't. But it was a hell of a play just to get his hand on it. Uh, who else made a play? Teamer, I think, made a play at the end when uh, when when Kyler was trying to throw that quick slant to uh, to Ertz, and basically Ertz wasn't looking for it, but Teamer was right there on his hip as well. That was a good play. But you just can't have those penalties, man. You just can't have those penalties or else you're going to you're going to lose games. We got one more caller or no? 
No, that's why I said no. No, we don't. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. Uh, Mailman Raider said, go get Sue at this point. It would just help do- Jones do anything. It really helped Max take another step. Uh, I can see that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. I think that Andrew Billings has been actually doing a pretty good job. I think uh, Jonathan Hankins has been doing a pretty decent job. He had a nice uh, bat down of the ball uh, in the game on Sunday. Bilal Nichols did a good job until he got called for a penalty, face mask penalty. So I think that the interior is doing okay. I, I'm with you, though, where, where you would like to see a little bit more rush from the interior, not just necessarily uh, you know, being able to slow down the run. And they did do that for the most part until they didn't, and the Arizona Cardinals were able to get off and uh, get the run going. So uh, that's going to do it for us. I'm going to try to head to uh, the Strip and try to head to the parade and see if I can talk to some of the Aces as they celebrate a championship here in Las Vegas. Congratulations to them. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Red Nation Radio 920.